This is The World in Brief from The Economist. Our top stories. Ukraine's president, Volodymyr Zelensky, appealed to donors at the Ukraine Recovery Conference in London for funds to help rebuild his country. In a virtual address, Mr. Zelensky said that, quote, every new day of Russian aggression brings new ruins. Britain announced $3 billion in World Bank loan guarantees and America pledged a $1.3 billion aid package for energy and infrastructure. The EU extended sanctions against Russia and added measures to prevent sanctions dodging. America's Federal Trade Commission sued Amazon, alleging that the tech juggernaut, quote, duped consumers into subscribing to Amazon Prime, a service that costs $139 annually and automatically renews. The complaint filed in federal court in Seattle claims that Amazon sabotaged users' attempts to cancel their subscriptions. The FTC's chair, Lena Khan, rose to prominence after writing a paper arguing that Amazon was a monopolist. Jerome Powell, the chairman of the Federal Reserve, said he expected the Fed would resume interest rate rises. Although the Fed did not raise rates last week from 5 to 5.25 percent, a move Mr. Powell defended as, quote, prudent, he said in remarks to a congressional committee that the battle against inflation, quote, has a long way to go. The S&P 500 Index of American Firms fell on his comments. The death toll from a riot on Tuesday at a women's prison in Honduras rose to 46 as forensic teams continued to identify victims. Prisoners belonging to one gang reportedly set fire to the cells of members of a rival gang. Honduras's president said that guards had known beforehand that the riot would happen. She sacked the security minister. America's Coast Guard said that underwater, quote, banging noises continued to be heard in the North Atlantic on Wednesday, though it was unclear if they were coming from Titan, the missing submersible. Rescuers are searching a surface area equivalent to twice the size of Connecticut. It is estimated that the submersible will run out of oxygen by 10 a.m. GMT on Thursday. Hundreds of Israeli settlers set fire to houses and cars in Termas Aya, a town in the West Bank, after four Israelis were killed by Palestinian gunmen on Tuesday. Earlier, Benjamin Netanyahu, Israel's prime minister, authorized the construction of 1,000 new settler homes in the Eli settlement in the West Bank, close to where the shooting took place. A team of researchers led by Ivan Spreis, a Slovenian archaeologist, announced the discovery of an ancient Mayan city in southern Mexico. The country's anthropology institute has named the city Okomtun, meaning stone column in Yucatec Mayan. The city would have boasted of giant pyramid-like buildings. At the peak of their empire between 200 and 900 AD, the Mayans had built around 40 cities. And figure of the day, 65,000, the number of migrants who crossed the Mediterranean in the first five months of this year, up from 34,600 in the whole of 2022. And now here's a deeper look at the day ahead. Modi goes to Washington. On Thursday, India's Prime Minister will meet President Joe Biden in Washington. It will be Narendra Modi's first state visit to America since he took office in 2014, and the first by an Indian Prime Minister since Manmohan Singh in 2009. India's leader will be welcomed on the south lawn of the White House and attend a state dinner. He will also address a joint session of Congress for a rare second time. 
Aside from pomp, the visit is expected to cement several substantive agreements, including on defense technology, where America is keen to wean India off Russian weapons. There may also be deals on semiconductor manufacturing, telecoms, and artificial intelligence. The rapturous welcome reflects America's desire to bring a reluctant India closer into the Western fold, given both countries' acrimonious relationships with China. Expect gushing talk about shared democratic values, but little mention of the state of democracy in either India or America. Macron's New Paris Climate Talks Developing countries account for a growing share of global carbon emissions. But how can they afford to make their economies greener? World leaders and NGOs will on Thursday ponder this question at a summit in Paris, where an important climate agreement was made in 2015. President Emmanuel Macron, the host of the summit for a new global financing pact, wants both to ease the debt burden of poorer countries and to harness public and private sector finance for their environmental efforts. Crucially, many leaders from the Global South, including Brazil, Egypt, Nigeria, and South Africa, will take part, as will China's Prime Minister, Li Chang. So too will Mia Motley, the Prime Minister of Barbados, and leader of the Bridgetown Initiative, an effort to combat global inequity and reform multilateral lending. Organizers hope that the summit will put some of the much-needed billions of dollars of climate finance on the table. They also want to ensure that there is no contradiction between the fight against global poverty and that against climate change. Microsoft in court over its Activision deal Microsoft's $69 billion acquisition of Activision Blizzard a video game maker, has been approved by most of the world's regulators. But in April, it was blocked in Britain, pending appeal. On Thursday, the deal faces scrutiny in an American court where trustbusters have vowed to stop the transaction. Regulators have two worries. First, that Microsoft will remove Activision games from rival platforms, principally Sony's PlayStation. It has done this after some previous gaming acquisitions. It had offered to make Activision's titles available for at least a decade, including on Nintendo's Switch, which lacks Activision hits like Call of Duty, but the proposal was rejected by the Federal Trade Commission. The other fear is that Microsoft will dominate the emerging fields of game subscriptions and cloud gaming. Think Netflix, but games. Yet these are not so much new markets as new forms of competition in the existing games market, where Microsoft ranks only third. Blocking the deal would not preserve competition, but diminish it. A new course for Turkey's central bank? At the behest of Turkey's president, Recep Tayyip Erdogan, the country's central bank has been cutting interest rates for two years. Since 2021, the bank has slashed its benchmark rate by a cumulative 10.5 percentage points to 8.5%, sustaining economic growth but propelling annual inflation to a record 86% last October. 
That looseness is expected to end on Thursday when the bank's Monetary Policy Committee convenes to set rates. Mr. Erdogan, who was re-elected last month, believes that low interest rates are the cure for inflation. But he has given Mehmet Simsek, his new finance minister, and Hafizagaya Erkan, the new governor of the bank, a mandate to raise them. Bringing the benchmark interest rate closer to the rate of inflation, now at 40%, would show the bank means business and relieve pressure on the Turkish lira, which has lost 50% of its dollar value since late May. But it would also cripple the economy. Miss Erkan has no easy choices. Which cities are the most livable? As the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic recedes, global quality of life has surged. An annual survey by EIU, our sister company, scores 173 cities on categories including healthcare, culture, and environment to calculate their, quote, livability score. This year, the average, excluding Kiev, is 76.2%, up from 73.2% in 2022. As last year, and for the fourth time since 2018, safe, cultural, and well-connected Vienna tops the ranking. Most of the global gains came from improvements in education and healthcare scores in Asia, Africa, and the Middle East. Only the stability category registered a decline this year. That was due to a rise in civil unrest, including deadly clashes in Israel and Peru, and in spite of improving military threat scores for Eastern European countries, which had risen immediately after Russia's invasion of Ukraine. With strikes in Greece and pension protests in France pulling down stability scores, EIU notes that inflation and the resulting cost-of-living crisis could yet prove a drag on livability as a whole over the coming year. Daily Quiz Our baristas will serve you a new question each day this week. On Friday, your challenge is to give us all five answers and, as important, tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home city and country by 1700 GMT on Friday to quizespresso at economist.com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown three winners on Saturday. Thursday. Which building was the tallest in the world between 1931 and 1970? Wednesday. Which Thomas Hardy novel features the characters Diggory Venn and Thomason Eobright? Finally, here's the quote of the day from Anne Morrow Lindberg, who was born on this day in 1906. The intellectual is constantly betrayed by his vanity. That's the world in brief from The Economist, available three times every day of the week. You can also hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, on your podcast app. And subscribers to The Economist have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app to start listening.